Thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands across the room and just love the Lord for a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we praise you in this house, Lord. God, we bless you in this house today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What a great God. This morning we were talking about, we asked a question in our Sunday school class. We acknowledge that we serve him, but do we look to him? And, you know, you can get so caught up in just your service that you forget to look to him. And uh, you, you get so busy, it becomes a routine. And so you're, you start running under your own steam because, hey, I know what to do. Oh, but we should never stop looking to him. Looking to him for our hope, for our help, for our answers, for our strength, love and mercy. I'm thankful for him this morning. And I'm thankful to be in his presence, such a sweet presence of the Lord this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Appreciate our music and choir this morning. Let's give them a hand. <laughs> thankful for them. Thankful for our media, sound, security team, everyone that's teachers and volunteers today that have done something in this house for the work of the kingdom. God bless you abundantly. It means a lot to us. I used to always, I used to always hear Mike Sweet say this. He's always like, teamwork makes the dream work. And I know you've heard that, but I was taking some stuff to the dump the other day and the young man that was uh, incarcerated, but he was helping me unload my trash. I was handing it to him. He was throwing it away, and he, and he said, dream, teamwork makes the dream work. And I just kind of laughed. I said, yeah, I guess it does. Even here, even at the dump, even in the worst, smelliest, stinkiest places that you can be, you're never in it by yourself. Don't ever think that God gave you anything to use for yourself. I could preach on that for a while. I'll save that for Wednesday. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I've been, the Lord's been showing me some stuff on that, so I'll talk about that Wednesday. I got something else to talk about today. And uh, just hope you'll just listen to what the word of the Lord will say to your heart today. If you feel like you're so saved, that you don't need anything, you should be the first one in the altar today. <laughs> well, I thought you was going to say, good job. Man, on our best day, we need him. And on our best day, it'll never measure up without him. We've got to have him. Peter concerned... I guess in his letter, always as a, an apostle, a pastor, in 2 Peter chapter 3, we'll read verse 1 and then verse 9. He said, This second epistle, beloved, he was writing to the church, he's writing to the saints. I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure mind 
by way of remembrance. Sometimes we get stagnant. You know, even when you're cooking something and it's got all the right ingredients, it's on the right temperature, what do you always do? You go stir it. Because if it sits, it's going to burn. And nobody wants that ugly skim on the top of whatever it is you're cooking. And Peter said, I love you, beloved. I love you, church. I love you, saints. But I have a job to do that I need to make sure you're not getting stagnant. So I'm going to stir up your pure minds. He begins to talk to them about the certainty of the coming of the Lord. That there's some who are saying, ah, we've heard about this a long time, whatever. There'll be scoffers. He went on to say all these things, talking about the coming of the Lord. But in verse 9, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. But he is long-suffering to us. Say, that's me. Oh, he don't have to be long-suffering with me. Good as I am. I'm I'm teacher's pet. He's not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering to us, to the saints them stagnant saints that Peter's trying to stir up, not willing that any, any should perish. Not any, not even the ones I don't get along with, not any. Not any? Any means any. You can't name somebody outside of any. <laughs> but that all of those any's should come to repentance. It's not the Lord's will for you to perish. I'm going to preach on this for just a few moments today. The rope or the rooster. I just wanted to hear for a minute so I could hear people go, hmm? The rope or the rooster. Let's pray together today. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for your grace and mercy one more day. Thank you for another opportunity, God, to get it right. Thank you, Lord, for stirring us today. Let our hearts hear what the Spirit would say to the church, to the saints, to the body, to the bride. And let us be stirred, God, Let us be changed. Let us be better. Lord, as we hear your word today, we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give your neighbor a high five and say, I don't know what he's talking about. But I'll find out in a minute. You can be seated and God bless you. Thank you, Lord. I will start with this. God's not done with you. That's a promise. That's a promise right here. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise because it's not his will that any perish. So it doesn't matter where you find yourself today or how bad you think you are or how much you may have messed up. He's not willing that any perish, but that all would come to repentance. He's got a place where 
things can be fixed. He's got a place where people who we think should perish can be restored, renewed, revived. Hello. That's us. Lord, stir my mind. Stir my pure mind. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not conformed to this world, but I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. But that doesn't mean that I don't need to stir it sometimes so that all the things that have got buried deep can come up and all, all the things can, uh, like I say, you know, they're talking about when you're cooking, you're throwing everything in there, everything's going to get to know each other in the pot. Well, you know, sometimes it's, we've, over the years, we've learned so much. There's so much stuff piled on top of stuff. You ever went back and looked at some of your old notes? And like, whoo-hoo, boy, the Lord was talking to me that day. How did I forget that? How did I not remember that? And you, you're in a place where God was just pulling stuff out of you and pouring stuff into you, and you're like, wow, wow, wow. How did I forever? And you think in that moment, I'll never forget this until 408 services later and three notebooks later. Yeah. Now you're, it's, oh, look at this. Wow. Oh, I've looked back some of my notes, even from when I just first got in the church. I'm like, man, I was doing good. God was talking to me early. And you think, wow, I need to preach that old message again. I mean, that's, you know, God's not done with you. Tell your neighbor, God's not done with you. Because he's not. That's a promise. Listen, when God delays something, just like Peter was talking about, the Lord's not slack concerning this promise. People say, oh, God's not coming, God's not coming, and they tie that to every other promise of God. Well, he's not here yet, so he must not be real you know, whatever. Uh, God's delay is not the sign of him not coming or caring. God's trying to save us because his long suffering, as he says uh, over in verse 15 of this same chapter, his long suffering is our salvation. If God was quick to cut off, we'd all be gone. But because he endures us, because he puts up with us, this is what long suffering means in, in a little more straight dialect is that he puts up with us. He endures us, and if, and if God had a set of eyes, he'd be rolling them at us sometimes, I'm sure. God is trying to save us. He saves us because he is not willing that I perish. He does not want me. He paid too high of a price for me to go out of this thing lost and undone. God wants us to be saved. In Psalm chapter 3, verse 1. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? And many are they that rise up against me. And many there be, well, the any's and the many's here today. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Now this psalm is powerful. And we could go on and, and to read, but, but I'm going to stop in verse 2 because we get hung up in verse 1 and verse 2. That's where we, we try to live for God successfully stuck in verse 1 and verse 2. Listen, it might not be sometimes many people. It could be many situations, many bills, many ailments, many mistakes. Should I just say amens? The many times that you looked in the mirror at yourself and said, there is no hope for me. But see, he went on to say, but thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. God, you are my glory 
and the lifter up of my head. And another psalm said, lift up your head, O your gates, and be lift up your everlasting door, and the king of glory shall come in. God said, I'm trying to get you back to a position where I can come in, where the glory can come in, where I can be in your life, where I can help you and fix you and save you. Because God's not done with you yet. It's not over yet. No matter what the enemy says, it's not over yet. In Psalm 124, if it had not been for the Lord as on my side, now may Israel say, but if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. If it wasn't for the Lord, then the waters had overwhelmed us and the stream had gone over our soul. If it wasn't for the Lord, then the proud waters had gone over our soul. But blessed be the Lord who has not given us as a prey to their teeth. Blessed be the Lord, because our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken. We are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. This idea that we will ever get out of trouble or destruction on our own is a fool's belief. Because the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And when you start trying to fix it yourself, it's just like you saying, God, I got this. I don't need your help. I don't need anything from you. I can handle this, but you'll never get out of it on your own. Listen, it's not the Lord's will that you perish. He wants you to be all right. There's no truer statement that Jesus made than the one where he said, without me, you can do nothing. We've got to have him. And in this world, we will have tribulation in fiery trials, and there is definitely a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. There's going to be failure and destruction and loss and death, and these are real, and guess what? It does rain on the just and the unjust, and we could be done, and we could be over, and we could be finished, and we could be separated from God, but it's not his will that we perish. Listen, every lost sinner on this planet needs to know this Savior. But every saint of God needs to know him too. Almost, you just, that went right over your head. I said every lost, unrepented, worst sinner on this planet needs to know this Savior. But every single born-again, tongue-talking saint of God needs to know him too. You need to know that he's a restorer. You need to know that he's a healer. You need to know that he's a deliverer. You need to know today uh, woo, that he is a friend and a faithful friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is a very present help in our time of trouble. Hey, listen, he's not a one-time, clean them up, forget about them, God. But he said, I'm going to be with you always, even until the end of the world. I won't leave you or forsake you. You can't go high enough, far enough, or deep enough to get away from me. Wherever you are, there I am. God's not done with you. Come on, somebody. Listen. Peter wanted to stir up the 
Pure minds. He wanted to stir up the minds of those who he called beloved. Pure minds need to remember who he is. Pure minds need to remember that God is on our side. Pure minds need to remember that he's never left us, never failed us, and never will. And so the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He's not slack concerning his promise to return, but neither is he slack concerning his promise of mercy. Peter ain't just writing about the coming of the Lord. Oh, he is writing about the coming of the Lord. He said the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Yeah, he's coming back. He's coming like a thief in the night. He's going to be here ready or not. That's happening. But while we're here, there's still mercy. While we're here, there's still grace. He's not slack concerning his promise of forgiveness, of restoration, of protection, of healing, of deliverance. He is long-suffering. He said in verse 15, we need to account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. It's what's, oh, I'm saved by grace. You're saved by God's long-suffering and his grace that falls in that long-suffering. I want to tell you today that it does not matter who you are or what you think of yourself. The Lord is not willing that any perish. That word perish in the Greek means fully destroyed or separated. I don't want to be separated from God and I don't want to be destroyed. We always say, well, I want to be in the will of God. Then don't be destroyed. I want to be in God's will. Then you better find some repentance somewhere in your life because it's not God's will that any perish, but his will is that all would come to repentance. That they, we think repentance is such a bad thing. Friend, repentance is God turning you around. Repentance is God hearing your cry and pulling you out of your mess. Repentance is your hope, it's your help. It's the lifeline to God. You can't be saved without repentance. Today, I want to preach repentance. But Jesus said, go and preach repentance and remission of sins in my name. When did you stop preaching it? Well, you, you don't preach that when you got saints in the house. Yes, you do. Because that's exactly what Peter was saying. I need to stir your stagnant mind up and remind you of the mistakes you made. It's not your end. Of your failures, that's not your end. Your failures are not final. Uh, you've messed up. You've made mistakes. Uh, you've done things you wish you hadn't have done. But God is still long-suffering, and that long-suffering is your salvation. God is still not slack concerning mercy, grace, and forgiveness. He said, I'm not willing that any perish, not any cold, numb, confused, worried, stressed out, overwhelmed, or stuck people to perish. He's not willing that any dope heads, alcoholics, sex addicts, prostitutes, self-abusers to perish. He's not willing that any liar, thief, hater, gossip, mean person, ugly person, bitter person, sour person to perish. He's not willing that any discouraged person, mistake-making, always falling down, heartbroken person to perish. It's not his will that any perish. 
and any means any. And whatever you're going through today, the Lord is not willing for you to be destroyed or separated from him. Listen, the man writing this, <laughs> the man that's writing this, the Lord had told him, Peter, Satan has desired to have you to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen the brethren. Listen, the most powerful act of faith is repentance. That's because that's number one. Because you're not going to be saved without it. In repentance, there's all kind of things. There's all things in the mix. There's worship. There's, there's belief. There's all kind of things. But there is no greater act of faith than repentance. For you to get past yourself, to get past what anybody else has said, and fall down on your face and say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. Forgive me for my faults. Cleanse me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Friend, there is no greater act of faith than you believing that God can make you whole again. That God can fix what's broke in your life. There is no greater act of faith than repentance. I'll tell you why. Because if you if you don't repent, that water won't do nothing for you. And I can tell you now that, that they, God ain't putting the Holy Ghost in unrepented folks. I don't care if you hear them talking in tongues. It ain't the Holy Ghost. He ain't putting the Holy Ghost in unrepented people. That's a fact. Because an unrepented person has no need for God. Don't need him. We've got we to move on. Any means any. Listen, just come to repentance. Recognize that God has not destroyed you. Oh, with every mistake you've made, look where you're sitting right now. I think about Joshua. When they lost that, that, little, that little scrap against Ai. They just defeated Jericho, and then they lost this little scrap to Ai. And he's laying on his face, wailing and crying, and, and God said, get up. Look where you're at, Joshua. Sometimes you're going to fall down flat-faced in the land of promise. With the dust of the promised land on his face, God was saying, get up and get it right. Get the unclean thing out from the midst of the people, and then we'll take care of business. You know what he's telling him? He said, you better get somebody to repent over what they've done, and we'll fix it. Listen, God has not cut you off. God has not done with you. You need to recognize that today, that, hey, I'm still here. There's a chance. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to have joy and peace and comfort and gladness and all the things that come with serving God. I know you're still wondering what's that got to do with this title you threw up there? Nothing. I just wanted to distract y'all. No, I'm going to show you. I want to talk to you about two men today. Two men that walked in Scripture. Two men that were handpicked by Jesus himself. Both had obtained ministry from the Lord. 
for three, three and a half years, they walked with him, preached the gospel, performed miracles, fed multitudes, watched him raise the dead, watched him over and over forgive people and cleanse people and do things that nobody else could do. One was Judas Iscariot. And yes, Judas had obtained part of that ministry. You read the book of Acts when they're getting ready to pick someone to fill his slot. And Peter makes that statement that Peter had obtained part of this ministry, but he was also the one who betrayed the Lord. He was the one that led them to Jesus in the garden that night. And he was the one who uh, saw when they arrested him and condemned him. And when he knew that he had done wrong, instead of repenting, he just tried to put it back in the box. He went back to the temple and he took them 30 pieces of silver and he said, here, I've, I've, I've betrayed an innocent man. I've done wrong and, and here. And they said, what's that to us? You see that. He thought, I can just go back to the people that got me in this mess. You can't blame others for your mess. You're responsible for your own actions. So he just throws it down. Well, I'm not touching it. I'm not leaving it like that's going to fix everything. That ain't going to fix it, Judas. Judas didn't want to repent. Judas wanted it to go away. I just want to get rid of it. I just want it to be gone. I want it out of here. And so Judas ran out, found a rope, and hung himself. Instead of running to Jesus, instead of praying, so Judas couldn't be saved. Why? The people that crucified him could be saved. The people that nailed him and whipped him and beat him could be saved. If Judas had a turn. Hey, I, I see it in the scripture. Ahab was wicked and evil. When God said, man, I'm going to destroy you and everybody that belongs to you, Ahab got down in sackcloth and ashes and started fasting and praying. And God said, you see how this wicked man turned and repented and humbled himself? It's still coming, but he ain't going to see it. I'll let him live his days without seeing all that tragedy. That's how God is about people that will repent. But Judas... Threw the money down, and instead of repentance, he found a rope. He hanged himself. He perished. And the money that he threw down, they said, we can't keep this. This is blood money. They bought the field. You know what, you know what that 30 pieces of silver bought? It bought his grave. Because they bought the potter's field, and that's where Judas was buried. 30 pieces of silver bought him nothing but a hole in the ground. Whatever you sell out Jesus for will bury you. You hear me? Whatever you sell out your walk with God for, it will bury you. And what will it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Whew, I'm sure glad there's another man in this story. Peter, the man that wrote the opening scripture, Peter denied the Lord. In Matthew 26 and 34, Jesus let him know exactly what he would do. Peter said, oh, not me, Lord. No, <laughs> I'm going to the death with you. 
Jesus said, Peter, look, I say unto thee that this night, in the nighttime, when it's dark, before the rooster crows, the cock crows, thou shalt deny me three times, thrice. That's what's going to happen. No way. Ain't happening. He was told by Jesus, I want you to say before. Before the rooster crows, you're going to make some mistakes. It's going to get ugly. It's going to get bad. And so when we drop down to verses 74 and 75, we find his third denial. When he, he, he began to curse. Beep, 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 beep. And swear. Beep, beep. I don't know this man. And immediately, the rooster crowed. Immediately, it happened. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. He remembered, oh, I'm so glad that when I mess up, I can remember the word of Jesus. And you're going to see why. He remembered the word of Jesus which said unto him, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And then he went out after he remembered the word and he wept bitterly. Listen, the rooster is more than a sign. So we think, we, oh, there's that rooster telling on Peter. That rooster ain't telling on nobody. The three times in the rooster crowing is two separate events. The rooster is more than a sign to point to Peter's denial. What, what, when does a rooster crow? The rooster crows in the morning. The rooster, you, know, you always see them signs, got a rooster in the sun coming up. You know, the rooster is crowing in the morning. The rooster is a, a, a sign of a new day. The rooster, he, he didn't... He didn't condemn Peter. He convicted Peter. The rooster wasn't there to say, uh-huh, just like Jesus said. The rooster was there to say, Peter, it's a new morning. <laughs> Maybe Peter had this in his mind. Lamentations chapter 3 and 19. Remembering my affliction and my misery. I'll tell you, that's the most miserable man on planet earth at that time. The wormwood, the gall, he said, my soul has him still in remembrance and it's humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. <laughs> Honey, you can make a mistake in the night and go find a rope or you can start listening for the rooster. <laughs> Judas found the rope and Peter heard the rooster. That rooster wasn't there to say, Peter, look what a failure you are. Look what a mistake you are. He was there to remind Peter, hey, the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. And what you did before the morning, God's able to forgive in this day. Come on, somebody. 
It gets dark sometimes. Oh, it gets awful sometimes. But before you go looking for a rope, why don't you start listening for the rooster? Don't make that rooster have to be somebody he ate. He ain't there to tell on Peter. He's there to tell Peter, remember the word of Jesus. He said, before you hear me, you're going to do some things. But if you'll just remember that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. And Peter went out weeping. And I'm sure he went out repenting. And you want to know why? I can tell you how I can tell you without a doubt Peter repented. Because he didn't perish. He didn't we don't read about Peter going to the grave. We don't read about Peter uh, never showing up again, but we find Peter serving God, preaching the message on the day of Pentecost and writing this scripture right here. And I'm sure while he's writing that, he's thinking, whoo, what a tough night that was. Uh, but I sure am thankful for that rooster. I sure am thankful uh, when I heard the word of the Lord. Oh, somebody ought to clap their hands. I believe somebody hears a rooster crowing about right now. That rooster said, if I could translate rooster, he'd be saying, repent, repent. It's a new morning. It's a new day. Repent, repent. God's still merciful. He's not slack concerning his grace and his mercy and his promise. Repent. That's it. Go ahead and lift your hands and praise it for a moment. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? That's why Peter said, I got to stir you up. I need to remind you in your mess that God is still faithful. I need to remind you in your mess that God's still on the throne. Just remember, just remember, just remember. Lord, stir my mind, stir my mind, stir my mind. Don't let me forget your promises. Oh, don't let the promises of God get stagnant inside of me, God, but let me remember. Oh, that's why we gotta keep remembering so we don't perish. Because if we think God won't forgive, we won't repent. If we think God ain't faithful, we won't repent. Uh, hey, before, before that rooster crows, that rooster's gonna be a, he's gonna be a mouthpiece. Hey, he used a donkey. That rooster's gonna be a mouthpiece for me. And Peter, when you're cursing, that's before. When you're swearing, that's before. It was in the night, he said, in this nighttime, in this dark time. Hey, I don't know what you've done huh, in your dark hour. 
I don't know where you've been in your nighttime, but I'm telling you today that the rooster's crowing. The, that, that rooster's crying, reminding us that it's new every morning, that it's new every day. And guess what? It's new today in this house right now. And I don't care how long and how many days or nights or months or years you've carried it, but today, today, you're able to find a place of repentance where you can lay it all down. You might weep bitterly like Peter did. But he was rejoicing when the Lord called him. When the Lord looked at him after he resurrected and said, peace be unto you. When God didn't slap him down, he didn't die right away. But he remembered the word of Jesus. Maybe he remembered that the Lord said, you're going to be sifted, but there's also going to be a conversion. And Peter remembered, this has got to be the sifting, but I ain't seen a conversion yet. And God is faithful to his word. <laughs> and so I'm just going to find a place and repent and say, God, I'm sorry. Let me find a place of conversion. Let me be changed so I can strengthen the brethren. Let me tell you, that's why he's writing all these words here, so he can strengthen us. Beloved, I want to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance because even the beloved fall flat on their face. The beloved gossip and they lie and they cheat and they backbite sometimes. They, they get bitter, they get angry, they steal, they do all kinds of things sometimes, but they're still the beloved. Hey, Judas was beloved. You can say amen to that. He was. For God so loved the world. He was in the world. God loved him. He walked to Jesus. He heard Jesus teaching. He realized he had done something wrong. He just didn't take the right actions afterwards. Judas found a rope. But Peter listened for the rooster. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. John 10 and 10 says there's a thief coming to kill and steal and destroy. He said, but after all that, when that's over with, I have come that you might have life. You know, oftentimes we're the thief that's operating in our life. It ain't somebody breaking in. We're stealing our own joy. We're robbing ourselves of peace. We're the ones that's tearing things up in our life. It ain't somebody from the outside. That's, that's why they told Judas, said, you see to it, that's you, bro. We, we, we struck a deal that that money's yours. Sometimes we have to take the consequences of the deals we struck outside of the Lord. The good thing is, is that there's a solution. Repentance. And it's don't perish, but repent. God's not done with you. He's long-suffering, and that's salvation. Old Judas, he wasn't unsavable. He just didn't repent. And we miss God's will for us when we don't repent. The Lord began, they begin to tell the Lord about some people. Well, this tower fell on them, Lord, crushed them, killed them all. He said, well, you think they was more wicked than everybody else because they died like that? 
He said, except you all repent, you shall likewise perish. Even when he was walking flat-footed on this earth, he was telling people, repentance, repentance. Oh, I'm going to talk about how Jesus always was loving people. He was telling people, repent. You know who the first person to preach that repentance was? John the Baptist. You know who preached it right after him? Jesus. Jesus preached repentance. You know what Jesus told us to preach? Repentance and remission of sins. We've got to do, we always say, I want the Lord's will in my life, but we won't let him save us. We run from him. We hide from him. We make ourselves less than what he made us. Oh, we do it. We, 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 we're afraid of, of, of coming to him, but that's the only hope you have. And the Bible says I can come before this throne of grace to find help in my time of need. I, I can do that. Listen, we let shame and guilt hold us back, sit on a pew and die so our ego won't get bruised. Don't want our reputation tarnished, so I'll, I'll sit back here and, and hide what I've done instead of coming to an altar, instead of meeting the Lord, instead of getting this thing fixed, I'll just box it up and or I'll just try to cover it up man, like it never happened. But listen, shame and guilt are natural when we fail God, but God will remove that. Wouldn't it be nice for, to let, let him remove that shame? Well, you don't have to pretend anymore. That he just get rid of that guilt so you don't have to pretend anymore. Just let him have that. He will remove it. And he won't, and it won't stay around. But you've got to trust what he can do. The story, and I'm getting, I'm not very much longer. The story of the prodigal son proves specifically what I just said. How that we, sometimes... Yeah, it, there's things, many things against us. It is things that hinder us. But oftentimes, it's our own minds that cause us to perish because of how we see ourselves. How long, I wonder, did that prodigal son work for that man keeping swine? How long did he put off going home because he was ashamed of the way he looked now, ashamed that all of his inheritance was gone, ashamed that everything his father had taught him was just, he had just walked on it. And how, how long did shame keep him in that pig pen? But the Bible says there came a point where he came to himself. This is not, this is not who I am. This is not who my father raised me to be. This is not me. I will arise, verse 18 of Luke 15. He said, I will arise, go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. He's on the right track. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of your hired servants. Now he's, he's on the side of the road a little bit. But his shame and his guilt makes him feel like that he's less than he used to be. So he arose, he came to his father, who was a great way all his father saw him, had compassion, ran, fell on his neck and kissed him. Basically, the prodigal's mind got stirred up and he remembered 
The son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight no more worthy to be called thy son. So we've got what the son said. But here's what the father said. And that's where you need to listen. The father said, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Ooh, he stinks a little bit. He's really muddy and dirty. He's got sores. You want to put the best robe on that? Put the best robe on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son, not his servant, my son was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. And he and they, not just him, they, the father and the son, the stinky, nasty, pig-feeding son started getting happy. He found joy again. He found uh, peace again. He found love again. He found compassion again. He found what, what, what had been missing in his life. I'm so glad that it's not left up to us. Oh, I'll just be a servant and I'll just sit back here and be glad for my, my little portion here. And ah, His mercy is new every morning. You will never be what you were intended to be until you see yourself like the Father does. He said, he's my son. When he lived here, he was my son. When he walked out the door, he was my son. When he was living in sin, he was my son. And when he came home, he's still my son. The time we spend away in wrong things will distort our view of ourselves and make us believe different about how the Father sees us. It affects the flesh and the mind. And then if our mind isn't willing, the body is unable to make a move. That's why you've got to see yourself the way he does. But the Father never changes. This is my son. Stand with me. This scrawny, smelly, broken shell of a man. This is my son. Because he's not willing that any perish. God wants to save you and he wants to restore you. The Lord's here in this house today to deliver people, to heal people, to set you free from your, the chains of your own mind. But you're going to have to follow his word and obey his word. And so for just a moment, I want us to, every eye closed, and I want us to just pray together for just a moment. Father, I thank you for this word today, for this revelation. Father, I'm praying right now that these pure minds will be stirred up that you'll stir somebody to a place of repentance for something they've held on to for so long, too long. And they've served you and they've been there, but this thing haunts them. It hounds them. It makes them feel less than who they are in your sight. But God, I believe today that the road is opening up to your house. And I know you're just waiting, God, to cover your people 
to put that robe on somebody, to, to put that ring on somebody, Lord, to put those shoes on their feet and to fall on their neck. Let them know you're still my child. And so, Lord, let these hearts now, God, as I speak, let them be stirred. Let these minds be stirred. And, Lord, let us find a place where our vision of who we are to you can be restored. We did some things in the night. Oh, but the morning has come. Not to condemn us, but to convict us that we might find a place of repentance. Help us find that place today, Jesus. Hallelujah. I know that God sent this word today. I know that God sent this word today. And so I'm going to open this altar up for you to come. And I want you to hear. I want you to hear the rooster. And I want you to leave that rope behind. Lay that rope down. Some of you, some of you are already making the noose. Ready to just give up. But I'm telling you, God is here for you today. God will fix it today. God will fix what's in your heart today. If you'll let him. Would you come and find a place now in this altar? Come find a place of repentance in this house today. And let God fix what's going on in you today. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we praise you today, God.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Thank you Lord. If, you, if you're able, let's stand across the building right now. Don't stop praying. Let's just stand. Let's stand and lift our hands and lift our voice one more time. Come on, lift up a collective voice of repentance right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, let it come from down in here, God. Oh, there's a cleansing happening in our soul. Hallelujah. There's a washing over our spirit and over our mind. Oh, come on, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Don't bring it to the altar and take it back. Let it go.
you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if the promise is true, if God is not slack concerning his promise, then there's going to be some joy after that repentance. The Father and the Son began to make merry and be happy and rejoice. So why don't we begin to clap our hands and lift a voice of praise now? Come on. You've come. You've repented. You've got to believe that God will take that. You don't have to be guilty of it. You don't have to be, have any shame concerning that anymore. You've repented of it. You've laid it down at his feet. You've decided, I'm going to change my ways. I'm going to live for God. I'm not just going to be a servant. I'm going to be the son that he always intended me to be. Come on, all together, let's lift our hands and our voice one more time in a voice of praise. Come on. God is not slack. He made a promise. It's going to be better. You've been in the night, but now it's the daytime. It's new today. Clap your hands and shout to God. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, Peter was a different man after that rooster crowed. Because after that rooster crowed, when that conversion came, he was a different man. You'll be a different person after repentance. Repentance is like clearing the land to build a new house, man. It gets rid of all the stuff, and you can build a new house something great be what God intends you to be you go out of here rejoicing today you wake up tomorrow rejoicing because you open your eyes in the morning you may not really hear a rooster crow but you know his 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 promise is not predicated to the rooster but they're new every morning praise God aren't you thankful for it today give him one more hand clap and shout of praise God we love you so much we thank you Put your hands on your people, God, on your church, on these beloved saints of God. Keep their minds stirred and fresh and believing in you in Jesus' name. God bless you. Listen, all that can be at prayer meeting tomorrow night, I sure would love to see about 60 or 70 in prayer. Wouldn't that be awesome? It could happen. We just got to be here. God bless you. We love you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.